0: Good morning and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we'll have myself, Mighty Pete, and we welcome by to the today's episode of Fire in the, in the Belly. Good morning. Thank this you. is where we get to hear some inspiring stories from wonderful, wonderful. People. Welcome to the show, Claire. You know, this is it's great to have an you on. Pleasure. So tell you. us, Thank it's take great time you. out Thank and have a wonderful so conversation. Who are you? About what do you do and where are you doing? I'm always intrigued. Oh, that's a good question.
1: And hopefully, today
0: we get to hear some more. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm from this, my mission
0: Carlo, is to help is people to find department. their own and fire in their body, and from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So I'd i further ado, do. back, with, relax, and to enjoy the today's guest. Um, way success, way back. Back. success is a process, a not an event.
1: Uh, so I trained as a children's and general nurse and worked in a children's hospital for six years, which I loved. And then I met a man and... Married and I've been in the north now about 26 years or so. So, people from the north know I'm not from here, but I was never anywhere long enough in the south to have a particular like Cork, Dublin, Galway accent. And people from the south go, You're so northern, which I'm not really, but it's just interesting. So, nobody can ever pin me down, which is quite fun sometimes. So, I now live in Coleraine up on the north coast of South Giants Causeway, which I love because I'm, I'm I mean, I'm just to say, really, I'm from Galway, I love the sea. So I just love being back by the sea because we've lived in different places inland in Northern Ireland. And uh, my reset uh, place to just go, oh, is always walking on a beach, preferably in the water. So it's great being here.
0: Why is it that humans just love water? Is it because we're 70% water? Or what is it? Do you think it's so common? I don't know.
1: I mean, I think everybody has their thing that causes them, somewhere that they go, that they feel that they can just sort stuff out. Now, my ideal place is walking on a beach in Greece, in the sun, in the sea. So, I mean, I'll cope with the Irish weather. If I'm trying to work something out or figure something out or make a decision, I'll just go to the beach. That's what I do most of the time. And I love it. I mean, if you were to ask my two kids, I have two boys, uh, if you ask them, what are mom's two favorite things? They would go, the beach and us. So it's like, it's it's in my DNA completely, so yeah.
0: That's that's beautiful, isn't it? Just to get out there. So, tell us, what do you do then, Claire? What's what's Claire known for?
1: Uh, well, Claire is in the middle of a massive transition. So, so <laughs> Claire. So, my married name is Matt Dole, but my 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 two B working name now is going to be Matt uh, Community, because I'm setting up a uh, business, which has been set up, but I'm actually stepping out of my nursing role. So, I've been nursing for 36 years. And I have loved it. And it's interesting when you say, who, who is Claire and what is she? And that's my figure out at the moment because I'm stepping out of my, uh, my role as a nurse. I've handed in my resignation and I'm leaving in four weeks' time. And that's really, that's a really interesting place to be whenever somebody says, you know, who are you? And I go, well, Claire, I'm a nurse. And um, so my, my to be new future is coaching. And I absolutely love the idea of helping people to see what they can't see because so much of my growth and learning in life and changing and decision-making has been when I've suddenly seen something. It's like, you know, when you get that light bulb moment and you go, ah, now it makes sense. Now I know how to make a decision, but I couldn't make the decision until it made sense. I'm the kind of person that I like to figure things out. So it's, it's kind of like this. I think I'm sort of walking with two feet, one in each camp for the moment. And somebody introduced me the other day as um, this is, and this is Claire, and she's a divorce coach. And I thought that's the first time that's been kind of out there because that's my, my passion in coaching. Um, my my real area of passion is supporting people on a breakup and divorce journey. Um I um, stepped out of my marriage about six and a half years ago, and I know from firsthand experience that a divorce journey is not a payment, regardless of which side you're on. Or what the reason is, or what the dynamics are. It is a tough journey because you have to find yourself all over again. I remember reading a book about four weeks after I had left, and bearing in mind, I'm the one who chose to leave. And the second chapter in the book said, Every person on a divorce journey needs to find a new identity. And I'll never forget sitting in bed that morning going, Well, how do you do that? Like, what, what does that look like? I, I, I literally had. No idea what that meant. Now I understand it, but I didn't then. So when I look back, I think I had lots of support. I had lots of help in different places that I went searching for and found. But it took a long time, and there were an awful lot of emotions and decisions now that I think, in hindsight, if I knew now, if I knew back then, but I know now, I would have made a lot of different decisions and I would have. Probably had a more even emotion than the real up So then I started thinking about nursing. So I, when I came into the north, then I went into an A and E department, and because I didn't want to stay with all children, I didn't want to do geriatrics, and I thought, well, well what will I do? And I saw a children's nurse post advertised in the Ulster Hospital in Dundonald, and I applied for that, and I got the job, and. I have to say, I mean, I've done 19 years in AE department, 16 on the nurse management level team. I taught on children's trauma courses. I just loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the teaching and training staff. I loved being on the trauma courses. I loved the learning. I loved the fact that it certainly wasn't boring. It was very stressful and lots of things, but it, it just kind of it lit me up. I loved it. And then in the last six and a half years, I have retrained as a respiratory specialist nurse and I work in a GP practice. So about two years ago, no, maybe two and a half years ago, I started thinking, now, I really like this, but it doesn't give me that passion. And I thought, is that important going forward? My kids are going to get up a bit. They're going to need me to have a bigger income. Do I work part time? Do I want to work full time in practice nursing? Do I want to do agency at weekends if I needed extra money for holidays? And I thought, no, I don't wanna do that. So that started me thinking, well, if I don't want to do that, what might I like to do? What am I good at? What are my skills? And I have found when I look back, an awful lot of my decisions have come from a place of knowing what I didn't want. My 11 year old in the car one day said to me, mom, if you could do anything the whole wide world, what would you like to do? And he said, I said to him, well, I said, I don't know, like anything. He said, no, anything like, no limits, anything. And I said, well, I'd like to be a life coach. And he said, why? And I said, well, I'd like to help people become unstuck. And he looked at me when you're 11, like you do. And he said, so why don't you? And that was probably the start of my thinking, well, why don't I? Is it something I could do? Is it something that I feel I have qualities that I could work with it? So I looked up lots of life coaching courses, counselling courses, because lots of nurses go into counselling. And uh, my faith is really important to me. And I looked at Christian counselling courses and university counselling courses. And everything I looked at, I felt like I was in a box that was being squeezed smaller. It just didn't feel like a good fit. That's the only way to describe it, this feeling of the walls are coming in. And I I kind of didn't know what I wanted, but I have, I'm the sort of person that when I find what is right, I go, that's it. So then I was walking with my friend in uh, Wicklow beside Paris Court Waterfall and there were cars coming and we were stepping off the road to let the cars pass on these narrow winding roads. And I fell and successfully managed to break my ankle. I said, this is an interesting thing. And then of course I came home from the hospital with the plaster cast on. So me, the kids and my car were in Dublin and I now had a plaster on my foot. So my wonderful friend put herself on the insurance in my car two days later and drove us all home. And again, I thought, it was really painful, but I thought, I'm not upset about this. There's something in this journey of me healing my ankle that's going to be interesting. And I didn't know what it was, and I'm not saying I got a broken ankle you know for something, but I just knew that something was going to come from this. So then I had a lot of time to sit on an iPad in the conservatory in the sun because it was July. and I came across a course to train to be a breakup and divorce coach. And the woman who was um, running the course. On her um, advertisement was saying, you know, this would be for you if you've either been through a divorce or you are a coach and you want to add this to your coaching. And a light just went on in me. And I thought, I know this journey. I know how hard this journey is. And I know that the skills that I have when I look back at my AE days and nursing and parenting and you know, all of the different things, I thought, yep, yeah, this, this feels right. I um enrolled a friend of mine. Sharon McNulty, who I think you've interviewed before, and she married condoed my house with me, and that was such an emotional journey. So I paused my training because again I sense there's something in this that I need to let stuff go before I can move forward. And I truly believe that we can't bring people in life past where we've gone. So I have looked at all these different things that I have, you know, had the emotional tug of war with, and I just think this is not just for me. This is for clients that I work with in my future, because if I can't break through whatever it is or see it or change it, then I can't bring anybody else past it. So, finished that course and then found another one and signed up and I've just qualified with as, as a diploma in that one just recently, and found myself handing in my notice because I thought, no, there is something pulling me forward into something bigger. I look at life and I think. When sometimes, when we say yes to something, the outworking of it happens to be no to something else. And a lot of my big decisions have been that. I mean, I'm saying yes to this feeling inside that I have that there is something pulling me forward into something bigger. I have potential for possibilities for something different. I can feel it. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how it's going to pan out. I just know that there is something pulling me forward. And the outworking of that then. Is leaving my job. But the leaving my job wasn't the first decision I came to. It was saying yes to me. And that concept of what we say yes to is really important. Because when we say yes to something, we're able to manage the emotions of what the knock-on impact of that yes is. So even though my yes is for me pulling forward, there's still this emotional thing of, oh my goodness, I'm actually leaving this and it's familiar and and I'm stepping out of nursing for the moment. I don't know if it will be full-time or or maybe not maybe I'll go back in different capacities I I don't know I don't feel I need to figure that one out now I feel like I am where I need to be and it's going to unfold and sometimes we have to take the next step before the step then the one after that is revealed so I feel that I've taken the step of handing my notice in on the 30th of June my youngest finishes primary school and on the same day, and I didn't even know that that was the day he was leaving. I had written my resignation letter and put that date on it. And then I had to text the mum's WhatsApp group about an hour before I handed my Lewis in and spoke to the bosses. And I said, what date has primary school finished? Because it's a different date. It was never just the end of the month. And it happens to be the same day that I had chosen to leave. And I thought, that's not a coincidence. So I don't feel like I need to know what my next step after that is, because I think I need to get to that point first. And when I've been able to let go of needing to control, which is probably an area that I have struggled with, then I, I can go with the flow of what I need to do for now. Because what I hadn't expected is the emotions of leaving nursing and the, the oh my goodness, like this is a big change. And it's an exciting change. And it's a really, um, the, the sense of potential is really great. But the other um Logic side of my head is going, okay, you're a single mom with a mortgage. What on earth are you doing? NHS pension and all of those things. So there's this kind of two things, but I kind of am a bit of an energy person. And and I've learned over the years that when something isn't feeling negative and small, it's if there's something feeling bigger and more spacious, I need to go where that goes.
0: I love that. I mean, for you, and you've mentioned this a couple of times, you know, what what is it you think? Is it and you talk about this feeling that there's something different this this idea there's something more there's you know there's anything's more possible and then you talked about being a bit of an energy person can you describe what that is that sort of almost guidance that you're getting that sort of nudge if you like do you have any clarity on what that is oh absolutely
1: it's definitely it's definitely God definitely my faith with without a shadow of a doubt and as I have journeyed more in life I have leaned more into who am i in relation to who god is and where does that come from and i mean i'll take you back to um before i left my marriage and and it was the communication had broken down for quite a while um and i just remember having this question in my head which was is this god's best for you and i thought i don't know and then i started to explore it and think about it and i thought well I think God's best from what I understand in my journey of faith is that it is to be healthy and connected and growing and have abundance and um, joy and all of those things. And I thought, oh, that's not the picture. It's not, that's not what I'm living in. It's not what I'm feeling. It's not where I am. And, and then I, I had to go, well, I chose to go, well, well, what am I going to do with that? And, and so, for me, the area of divorce when it comes to the layer of faith in the middle, especially in Ireland, north and south actually, there's a layer of guilt and shame that comes with this because you're married in the eyes of God and you should pray about it and God can do a miracle and you know, you should try harder. And yet I had this question: Is this God's best for you for me? And I thought, I don't think it is. And my ex-husband is a church minister. So I had a lot of, figuring out of different things to figure out what did I do with that question and when I started to look at at what it was showing me what did I do with that because that wasn't an easy one so when I feel so when I talked about the saying yes at that scenario over that space of time I said I said yes to the fact that I felt there was something different and better and healthier for me on the other side of where I was so I said yes to me, and the outworking of that was no to being married and choosing to believe that there is something better for me. And if it's better for me, I believe it will be better for my children. And if it's better for me, I believe that the outworking in time will be better for my ex-husband. And I thought if I am living in a place where God's best is, which had stuff that I didn't really have in my world, that has to be better for my children. I have to be a better version of me for them. If I'm in a different place, a better place. So I said yes to me, and and at that time, that outworking was no to being married. Now, in my stepping out of my my nursing role, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't feel that it was God pulling me forward into something different. I believe that we have a purpose in life, and that we influence people all the time, whether we realize it or not. We influence people. You know, we all know that there are people that we term as sort of drains and radiators i'm sure you've heard that expression have you you know some people sounds like they suck the life out of you and others bounce in and and so we influence people whether we're aware of it or not and i believe that there is a different sphere in the world where i can have influence because of the journey i've been on
0: it's really interesting there so you brought up the purpose word you know and and you know the purpose about who we are and what are we here for are you clear in that purpose now do you know what your your mission your vision is here
1: Yeah, I would say that I am now. I mean, I think as a nurse, I've always had this vision of helping people and I see it as just changing in the way that I'm outworking working that. And I think specifically because I have been through a divorce and I was married to a church minister and I was, you know, 19 years as a minister's wife, there is an area of guilt and shame that comes with faith and divorce and our parents and our sisters and other people's, other people's. Stories on it, I suppose, is maybe the best word. And I feel that having walked my journey, I can help people, especially on this journey. But I also feel that there's more in me than just that, because I have learned the value and importance of seeing what we don't see and how how different that can make our lives. And I would say that my my purpose will is going forward. To help people to see what they can't see so they have choices that maybe they didn't know existed. We get stuck as humans when we feel we have no choice. And yet we always have choice. We just very often don't know how to see it. And and with support, people can see something that they haven't been able to.
0: What for you is a great question to ask yourself? Um, In any
1: aspect or...
0: Yeah, I mean, just if, if anyone's listening here, because you talked about, and I, I totally get it, you know, the power of a great question, you know, and as you said, it's very revealing in so many ways. And when you're going through change, or when you're going through things for yourself, what is a great question to ask yourself to really to sort of get outside of your own thinking, be able to reflect on you as a person,
1: I would probably step back and go, how am I feeling right now, when we start to notice something and have an awareness then we get an awful lot more information. We don't need all the answers, but if we have an awareness of where we are, we then have more places to go with that. So, I mean, there's many, many times I've stepped back and I've thought, I'm not really okay. And then I think, why am I not okay? Or I'm upset and I think, why am I upset? Why is there some, like this tug of war going on? What what am I missing? What's that about? So an example of that would be, I didn't realize until probably not that long ago, that when I'm stressed, I get busy. And I have an ability to multitask at a very high level. I have a bit of a degree in that, which is probably why I loved A&E because it was like this, 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 this. And I could manage it and do it. But now I know when I look back, I was far too busy. That superwoman energy didn't actually serve me well it was blocking out stuff but i didn't know that it was this was my unconscious way of just staying in the world and managing and surviving the world i was in
0: was there ever an element i mean being a being a nurse for that length of time and being a minister's wife as you say i mean they're they're all supporting roles you know they're all sort of roles where you please where you support others you're in service of others etc i mean does there ever come to a point in going well to hell with everyone else what, What do I need? You know, you're so busy serving others. Does does that come into play or have I picked this up wrong?
1: No, you haven't picked it up wrong at all. I, I had to leave my marriage to understand that I had no idea how to look after me. No idea. So when I heard self-care, it was like, well, I I had a bath, that's fine. But I didn't understand self-care at all. I didn't know how to look after me. And you know, when I left, I think my my first question was, what's in the best interest of the kids? And I made a lot of decisions because that was my question. It took about nine, 10 months for me to realize. And I'm not sure, I don't remember how I realized it. But when I changed that question to what's in my best interest, with the understanding being, if I'm okay, then the kids will be okay. But if I'm not okay, they won't be. So I needed to ask the question, what's in my best interest? Because that gave me different decisions on things that were coming up. So I had to learn through a lot of time, a lot of upset, a lot of um, frustration, annoyance at myself, regret, how to look after me and how to put me first. Now, my children know that if I'm tired, I might go and lie down for a while. If I feel like I want to go for a walk because I want to physically move, I say, you come to the beach for a walk and they'll go, no, but they know that I'm going because it's something that I need.
0: I find it fascinating how we can have that. We have this feeling, this sense, this intuition, this whatever you guidance, whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it. So we are where we are and you sort of go, well, this is, you know, this is almost an impossible situation to get out of. But then you realize the other thing is that I know there's something more. there's something different. And knowing that is enough to spoil the status quo. So while it's just going to get away from this would be painful, it would be hard, it would be difficult. And you know, potentially I'm letting people down and frustrating and all these sort of stages of emotion. But yet the actual, the knowingness is enough to say, listen, I have to try it or else if I don't try it. what am I going to do? Can you, can you, almost the consequences, can you live the rest of your life? More?
1: And that's what I feel about my my transition now. Can I live the rest of my life feeling like the walls are closing in on me? And I don't want to do that because I won't be the best version of me to my kids. I certainly won't be the best version of me to my patients or to my colleagues or to my friends when I am feeling like I'm closed in. And that feeling of. I want to try, I want to step out, I want to trust. is what's given me the courage to do this. Even though there's lots of reasons why I shouldn't. And sometimes logic isn't the only good deciding factor for making decisions. Because I don't know what the future holds. You know, I don't know where exactly where I will be in a year's time. I don't know what my business will be like. I don't know whether most of my clients will be more local or whether they'll be worldwide because of Zoom. I don't know. But I'm willing to find out because there's a possibility that it could be so much better for me and the boys living this life now and I'm willing to bet on the possibility. I know if I stay, I'm going to stay small and I'm going to feel it and I don't want to stay there. So I'm choosing not to stay there so I know that that's a definite. if I stay, this is where it's going to be. And I'm choosing to take a chance on the possibility of something being bigger and greater and more rewarding and I mean the the, the people that I've linked into and met on my journey since I've started coaching have just been incredible people and I think that alone to get to this point with all of these different influences and people that challenge me it's just so exciting it's just great
0: what does Claire deserve
1: that's a good question um Claire deserves to live to her full potential and I don't feel I'm doing that yet
0: how do you feel about that
1: excited stroke terrified stroke um Probably a little bit like a bottle of champagne that's been shaken. No idea where the spray will go, no idea, but it's like there's something, there's something exciting on the move. And I mean the the sense that I the sense that I have when I see my clients change and I see my clients understand something and I see them being able to let go of really strong negative emotions is just so humbling that I have a part. In that for them and i mean as a minister's wife i always remember feeling so privileged to be involved in the lives and stories of people that without being a minister's wife i couldn't have and wouldn't have it was a very um i never took it for granted and in the same way with my coaching clients and even my friends that people open up and say something and i and i would sort of say look can i offer you some advice is it something you like or can i can i explore this with you and Because sometimes I can see something they can't, and I think, "Oh, I know how to help a little bit more." That feeling of privilege is just enormous.
0: And that's, you know, talk to us then about coaching. I mean, what what was it, and and what have you learned so far?
1: Oh my god! How long? How long have we got? <laughs> I have learned more than I have capacity to explain. Um, I have learned not to be afraid of change the word flexibility is one that i keep coming back to and i keep defaulting into rigid biggest impact coaching has had for me is how i outwork my daily life how i interpret events that happen and how i take responsibility for the impact of how i interpret them because i know That if I don't take 100% responsibility for me and my emotions and everything, well, then it's nothing will change. Nobody else can make me happy. Nobody else can make me flexible. Nobody can do anything unless I decide I want to do it or not do it. And the biggest impact coaching has done is helped me to understand that at a level where it's now becoming normal and natural. But that's been a process.
0: It's It's amazing what we learn, isn't it? Because I mean, I love that (laughs) saying you had earlier on. You know, saying we can't bring people past the point of where we've been yet. So I mean, this is a journey for you as well, right? You were all learning and learning every day of the week, right? Yeah,
1: totally. Every day is a day for something different and something new.
0: Where Where do you sense that you're you're at best best at service? Put it that way. I mean, do you think it is it the is it the divorce side? Is it the change side? Where you know, because there's all different aspects, right? I mean, you can go through any change, any, you know, can be traumatic in many ways, you know, because people people associate trauma with, you know, accidents or things like that. But trauma stages of grief can go out through every part of our life. And I'm just curious to know where, have have you a full sense yet where you are most in your flow?
1: I find that a really interesting question because of the last few days, actually. Um, and I would say, that is I I don't see myself as solely narrowing into being just helping people on a breakup and divorce journey I feel I have more in me than that I feel that's a story that I understand so when someone says to me this feels dreadful I have a fairly good idea how they feel one of my clients said to me one day have you have you ever been where I am and I didn't know that much of a And I said, well, if you mean, did I sit on the floor at three o'clock in the morning with my back up against the wall crying, then yes, I have an idea where you were. Because people relate to someone who has been somewhere around where they are. I haven't been the wife of somebody whose husband had an affair and walked out on them with three children. I don't understand that journey, but I understand a lot of the emotions that come through divorce. What... The, the way you angled your question, I, I found myself smiling inside. I thought, oh, do you know? Because we learn as we go, and I very often learn and see things clearer as I talk, whether it's out loud to myself on a beach or whether it's to somebody. And what I did, um, Sharon, um, who has her company, Serenity Sparks Joy, came here last week and we did, we started my attic, that place that has everything in it. And I actually, on Thursday morning, brought to the dump all of my nursing notes, all of my textbooks from when I started 36 years ago in Crumlin Hospital in Dublin, I still had the essentials of paediatric nursing. I haven't opened it in 30 years, but I've brought it in every high school, and I've done a lot. And I thought, why did I? And so one question is, why did I hold on to it? The other question is, why was I not able to let it go? And that's a different question. So What I sense now when I went to the dump on Thursday morning, I found when I put the nursing stuff in, I had to take some of them back out and I put them on the floor of the boot of the car and I actually photographed the books. I thought, I want to hold on to something of this, but I don't need to hold on to the physical stuff. Then I was able to let them go and I found myself crying at the dump and I thought, didn't expect this. So, what I've come to realize over the last few days is that actually what I'm experiencing is not this tug of war of um, will I do agency? Will I go back to work? You know, it's not that. It's a grief journey of change. So this is another example for me of my growth and my change because a grief journey is not linear. More so, it would be transition and change because I am going through so much transition and change and have been so much uh, after um, our marriage when I, I left in the january my mom died in an accident in the november of that year and um it was a very traumatic accident and the circumstances were very difficult and my dad was on a dementia pathway so i had to change the grief my mom's death then straight into the first christmas as a separated parent with two children literally five weeks later my dad having to live on his own and we supported him in the house for two years and then with his dementia that got to a point when that um wasn't sustainable but in the meantime um we had sold my mom and dad's holiday house and I had gone down and done all of that near Akhil Island so like I have in the last six years I have had so much change so much but what I feel about my world is my world is really good the change that I have Experienced and having taken the time to understand it and learn about it and read about it and talk to people and explore it has made me a softer, more flexible, more honest and authentic version of me. And I have been able to let go of the only persona that I knew, which was busy, busy, go, go, do, fix everything. So when I stepped out of my marriage, because I was so used to fixing things, I left everybody with a bit of a mess because I didn't fix it. And that was a really big transition. So so my transition change journey has had many, many, many layers. And it's still going on. And it's interesting because just yesterday I thought there is something important about me understanding that this with nursing is a grief journey. It is not uh, do I want to stay? Do I want to go? It's not that. It's grief. And there are people in my future that I will be able to help because I've gone through this. And that's how I see things now. I see that we go through things in life for purpose and reason to help others if we choose. We don't have to. But if I can shorten somebody's emotional upset and journey and help them to see things easier in a shorter space than I've done, oh, I'm in 100%. You know, if I had had the me now six years ago, I know the difference it would make. If I had the me when we made the decision to move dad, now that me back then, that would have made a big difference.
0: You know, what I'm hearing here is that it's that ability to reflect on every situation and understand, you know, or take the perspective of saying, what if this is not happening to me? What if this is happening for me, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's that changes
1: key. the enormity of the mood, the emotions and maybe the negative impact or the fear. Or yes, it definitely does.
0: Do you like yourself? you love yourself? Do,
1: do now. I didn't, but I do now.
0: What changed. that
1: change? Um, probably over the last number of years. Uh, and that was where, um, so when I had when I contacted Sharon, I, I don't believe we meet people by accident. I just don't. So I had seen her on Facebook. There was something about her being a nurse. It just, it stuck with me. So a year later, I thought I need help with the house. So her name came to mind at three o'clock in the morning and I thought, well, let's see if I can find her. So I did and I sent her a message, a text message on the number that was on Facebook and uh, we had a phone call about 20 minutes later and I signed up and invested on 10 hours on Zoom. Thought, no idea what this is going to look like. I just know that this is important and I cannot do it on my own. I also tag teamed it with a therapist. I thought, right, so I, I'm, it's never about stuff. Right? I knew enough to know that. I didn't know what was going to come up but I knew enough to know that. So I tag teamed it with a the therapist. I think Sharon had she had <laughs> quite an interesting journey with me because I kept telling her, and I learned this and I learned this because I was ready to see it. So so when Sharon was working with me, what I knew was it wasn't about the stuff, but I didn't know what it would bring up. I just knew that my mom kept lots of stuff because we had cleared out of her house and that was a flame and nightmare. Like skips later. I remember saying to my boys, I'm going to give you a present. And they looked at me and they were like, I don't know, were they eight and ten? And I said, when I die, I'm going to leave you a decluttered house. And he looked at me as if to go, what? I said, trust me, this will be the best present you will ever receive in the whole of your life. Because going down to Galway for a weekend with the kids to see my dad in a care home, to clear out a house. I mean, it was so stressful and so exhausting. Um, so I knew, I knew fine I needed support. So what I, when I look back. I would be very, very clear to say that I didn't know how I didn't know I needed support because I thought I can do it all. And I didn't do it all particularly well. And over the time of my journey and learning and getting to love me and like me, what I realized is that I need support and it's okay to ask for it. And I see it as an investment into my future. So when I invested in Sharon working with me and I invested in the therapist, I, because I was ready to see the stuff, people won't come to me to work with me as a client in my coaching business until they're ready to see what it is that I can show them. And I did, I paused my training on my divorce coach training for three months and I did this because I thought this is important. And then I went back and finished my training and I learned so much and let go of so much and understood so much and thought, wow. And I think i hadn't given credence enough for the emotional weight that we carry with that understanding that it feels like a physical weight
0: and that's huge right because no matter i I go back to saying i mean any change i mean divorce you know losing parents you know going through changes in our lives going through physical change going through all this i mean it's all And as you say carries the the physical uh, implications it carries the mental implications it carries the financial implications spiritual it's so many things and we we often just sort of shrug it off and say no oh, it was just just that or i've, I've done that now and we don't yeah. appreciate the actual load of stuff that comes with it or, or because of it right absolutely
1: and i knew that it was really important for me to to ask sharon to come back to help me with the attic before i stepped out of my role as a nurse and that's four weeks so i knew that because and this is the interesting thing. So when you talked about liking yourself and all of that, um I, I'm sure you've heard of imposter syndrome. Yeah. So for me, I could run into any in any department, even if we had less doctors, three nurses phoned in sick, and we had two size, fixed and sort. But when people said to me, But you're so organized, I would go, but you haven't seen the house. And so there was something for me about the attic that I needed to let go of and to do. And a few, and again, like that, I thought I knew roughly where everything is. I'd have had to search to find things, but I didn't know what was going to come up in the journey. And this was only last Wednesday and quite a lot of unexpected different things came up. But for me, when I did the house, I thought, oh, it's great. The house is nice. Super. Not all the time. But it's so much better than it was, and I can put my hand on everything, and I'm not wasting time looking for something, getting upset because we're late, and all of the stuff, all of the, the outworkings of having somewhere that's organized. In my head, I was still saying, Oh, but the haven't seen the attic. So I just moved my thoughts from the house to the attic. And the part of me on Tuesday, I remember it was it on a Monday, Sharon rang, I sent her photographs, and it was this is quite amusing. I was standing in the attic, photographing in front of me. So I was looking at it, I took a photograph of it. I looked at the photograph and I thought, oh my God. But I was still standing in the attic but the photograph made it look a lot worse. I mean, it's really perspective, 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 no, start again. Perspective is really an interesting concept because I was physically looking at the stuff but I was so used to that I didn't see what I saw until I saw it on the screen and thought, oh my goodness. And I sent it to Sharon. She sent me a message and she said, that's fine Don't worry. We'll just take it all down to the kitchen to clear it out. Well, literally, I had a heart attack. I just thought, oh, my God. And then then I knew why I had asked her to come back. I knew why I had invested in her again. I knew I wouldn't have done that. And I knew that nothing I had done had changed the fact that the attic had loads of stuff in it. Nobody sees it. It's like that. You keep it in the dark. Nobody knows about it. But it's still talking to you. My question was, what will my life look like? When I don't have that in my head, if my house is organized and my attic is organized and I've never lived that life, I thought, I don't know what the view from the other side of this. um, What's the word I would use? Project is going to be. But working full time in my coaching business, I don't want imposter syndrome. But that's a new place for me to go to. That's a new exploring thing. So that's more change for me but I'm ready for it now. And I understand that, yes, it would have been great if I'd done it three years ago, but I wasn't ready for it then. We can't cope with what we we're not ready for.
0: What, what possibilities have been created by doing this?
1: Oh, lots. Lots. The first one being, what am I capable of? What am I really capable of if I don't have my own love? If I get out of my own way, would I have a YouTube channel? Would I be able to write a course and run a course? Would I, would I be able to, I mean, so many possibilities, so many, all to do with, you know, what is, what is possible and what am I capable of and what am I brave enough to try? And that's why I'm on this podcast, because it was recommended and I thought, okay, I'm just going to step out and just going to do it? You know, I have to just make it happen. It's not going to happen for me. I have to take the action step. But when we take an action step, we get met with other, other people's action steps. And I, I know that I will get what I need when I take the steps that I take. I know that. So even though the fear is still there and the what's it going to be like, now I notice it and go, oh, there's that. But I can walk through it without having it freeze me. That's the difference now.
0: that's a beautiful point, you know, because so many people like the attic analogy, you know, where some people look at it and going, not today, I haven't done it, or you know, listen, I can't do this, or you know, it's like, oh, I could start this, but I mean the implications are are crazy, so we'll just not bother. But when we sort of accept it and saying, Yeah, listen, it's a mess, okay. It is I, I acknowledge it, I accept it, I'm I'm doing it. And then having someone to say, right, time to bring it down to the kitchen table, time to just push on, time to say. Not going to be easy. That's okay. We accept that. We acknowledge that, and do it. And again, we're back to change, right? We're back to what I thought was okay, but then the actual the pull of what's possible. So great too. I mean, it's a lot of people in life. I think are like that, where they just sit on that that edge. I can either stay where I am, or I just have this itch that says there's more. How many people actually get to do that change?
1: I don't know and and if you had said to me six if you'd said to me eight years ago this is where my life would be now i wouldn't i wouldn't have had any record i was like no that wouldn't be but an interesting concept of that is i remember about a year and a half ago so five years after i had left my ex-husband and bearing in mind his house came with the job so i had to physically leave the home so there were lots of changes and things um I looked around my world last summer and I thought, my world's pretty good. And I I started to list the things that were really good. And then I thought back, it was an interesting um, thought process. If I had written a list five years ago about what I would like my life to look like five years down the line, I wouldn't have had half the things on it that I actually have now because I didn't feel like it was possible. I wouldn't have felt I deserved it. I wouldn't have thought that it was in any way possible. And I find that really interesting. So I look back and I think I didn't know how to dream. I didn't know how to to be anyone other than who I was at that time. But now at this moment in my life now, if I think five years ahead, I'm like, oh, how big can we go? There's so much possibility. But when I look back, I, I see the growth. And I see what I wasn't able to see back then when I left. But when I last year looked at what I had, it far surpassed what I would have written down as what I wanted. And what I understand is that I'm probably the person who limits me by thinking it's not possible. You can't have it. You don't deserve it, whatever the words are. And that's changed. So for me now, I think doing the attic, letting go of the nurse training books, they didn't serve me well because there was an emotional connection there somewhere that was holding me down. I had a picture last week. I'm a visual person. I like pictures. And it was of a hot air balloon being tied down with ropes. And I could feel all the different ropes getting cut and I thought the attic is the last rope to be cut here. And then, then what happens? Like, was it look like then when the hot air balloon isn't tied to the ground? I don't know. But I'm willing to find out
0: I've, and that is so refreshing. I think making people aware of the mental load of things. Because people go, oh, listen, that was 30 years ago. I don't know, I've seen mm-hmm. it. People saying that was 50 years ago, a lifetime ago. And next thing we, we have tears, we have a lot of emotions, uncontrolled expression, yeah. etc. And you're like, and, but people are going, how, how is that possible? That happened X years ago. And it doesn't have to be a mad dramatic event. It can be the tiniest of things, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we store, we store our memories and our emotions. And there's a very good book that I'm reading at the moment by Michael Singer. It's called Untethered Soul. I don't know if you've read it. And the thing that I learned, uh, but just about three weeks ago actually, and this is what I love about I love about life that I'm always learning, and I, I, I mean that just fires me up completely. Um, but he talked about, and I would have a good understanding of the emotional traumas that block us. So for some reason, as I said just before I put the books into the skip last week, the dump, I actually took them back and photographed them because for some reason it's important for that. I don't know why, but I've only got a photograph now on a digital copy. So I don't have the actual books, but putting the books into the dump was a big deal for me. Even though I would have said if the attic, a friend of mine said to me the day before I did this, if your attic burned down tonight, is there anything you need up there? I said, no, but that still didn't make it easy to go through stuff. Whereas in, in Michael Singer's book, the other side of that point that i had never looked at before was, if we hold on to the really good memories, in case we don't get more, in case we don't get another one, we block ourselves from that. And I remember sitting reading that going, oh, my goodness. Wow. And that's that kind of scarcity mindset of this might not happen again. I have to hold on to every moment of it. And I find that a really interesting concept because that's not one I've ever heard of before. or looked at before and I thought I'm going to mull over this one now for a while because this is important.
0: That is so I think it's so, so prevalent. and I know Jordan B. Peterson talks about similar, you know, in terms of this mental loading, there's only so much we can actually carry. And all that time you're holding on to other stuff leaves you no capacity to do more. But Jordan B. Peterson, he talks about, you know, it's like our life is one long thread. You know, and it's like it's not. We don't have multiple threads. We don't have anything else. It's one long thread. And anytime there's a knot in that thread, it will stay there until it's released. It doesn't disappear. It can't yeah. be cloud. Can't be anything else. And that sort of trauma, that sort of anything that's trapped emotion of any sort, is super, super powerful. You know, and you just and people totally. Well, in my opinion, we we just totally over or underestimate. So I, you know, what that's doing for. You. Um. Absolutely crazy crazy
1: and that that's you know one of the things that came to mind when you were saying that is one of the skills that I have is in connecting people to you earlier that you know I um enrolled Sharon to help me and I tag team the therapist I have I mean a few of my friends have said can you give me the name of that therapist because I just talk I mean my friends get to hear my life out it's like go for a walk. what have you learned this week <laughs> and and a few of my friends have gone I'd like I'd like her name or the likes of Sharon. You know, I'd like Sharon's name. I need someone like that. So part of what I have done with a lot of the books I've read is I use someone as say to someone, oh, you need to read this book. This is exactly for where you are right now. And I love that. But again, that's because I've put my time, my effort, my investment, my work in. But then I just say to people, try this or do this, so you know.
0: That, but I mean, that even that taking action is so inspiring, and, and as you say, lowering the bar so so many people do it they'll, they'll do potentially counseling or they'll do that sort of work but they'll do it privately and, mm-hmm. I, and I get the time for both there's a time for you know you need to go this journey on your own but also there's time when it is your duty to leave a set of bread crumbs behind for somebody else you say just talk about it openly you know I, yeah. I talk about mental health i talk about depression i talk about all these things not not necessarily for me because i'm kind of i'm okay with it i'm good with it but if you reduce the stigma and you make it knowingly to people and saying, yeah, I tried this. I tried hypnotherapy. I tried this. I tried the drugs. I tried all all these things. And even if it gets one person going, okay. Say whether it's the number of Sharon, whether it's the number of therapists, whether it's just that you've inspired me to pick up this book. I mean, what, what an amazing act of service, right?
1: Yeah. But, but for me, that's just natural to me. That's just like breathing. And I mean, over the years, people have said to me, Oh, really admire your vulnerability and I'm thinking I don't quite know what you mean because I just I just am who I am but in me being me I know I have inspired people in all sorts of ways and different things because I talk out loud So, (laughs) so some of my friends you know they ring up for a chat and an hour and a half later I'm like okay well you didn't expect that but it has helped me and helped them and it's just it's an interesting thing
0: it's that aspect, and it's almost an evolution because, I mean, previously that nursing, that service role is a people-pleasing role, so, yeah. right? So if I want to feel good about me, I help somebody else, they feel grateful, therefore I feel good about me. But when we change it to self-pleasing and saying, I'm doing this for me and I feel good, I do this, this happens, I feel good, and this just keeps going. So self-pleasing is an amazing place to be, and actually you can be of more service from that place, right?
1: Totally. And I think that's the difference in self-care, self-pleasing and selfish. And I think as culture and humans, we have a very, um, very warped view of that. You know, it's like, is it OK to be happy? Is that not selfish? And I think, no, it depends on what way you're doing it or, you know, small kids. I can't really go and lie down. Why not? You need to rest. If you rest, you will cope better with their demands. But but as humans, there's an inbuilt thing of, well, that's just selfish. I can't do that. I can't leave their dad to do that. because But when we change how we perceive the words, language is something that I would say I didn't have a very good grasp of. As I have gone on this journey of life just over the last, you know, 8, 10, 12 years and more, I look back and I think I very often read something in a book or heard something in a podcast or watched a YouTube clip of some sort or somebody, you know, doing a sermon in church. And I think that's the word. So I would look back and a classic example of this for you now would be when I look back and I think what was missing in my marriage, what would, what would I have said? I didn't have words, now I do. The word I was missing for me was alive. I didn't feel alive, but that's only because I've now found it. And I heard somebody say something once about alive and just that absolute penny drop, that's it but I didn't have language to put on it at the time, but I didn't spend my life figuring out what the language was. I acted on it and I got the language later on.
0: I got such a, such a strong point. And I just want to circle back on something you said there about, about being selfish. Talk yeah. to that.
1: I understood selfish to be making decisions that were about me. And that being a negative thing. You're very selfish. For whatever it happens to be and when you think like that and other people say something like that it's almost like it's glued but super glued to the word guilt guilt is not good it's not a good emotion and the other word that's the other side of guilt is should so you should have done this instead of doing this so you have guilt in the middle and you have this idea of selfish and then you have the word should they're all kind of intertwined and, and interwarped in a very unhealthy way. Selfish for me is doing something for me that has a negative impact to others. And I'm knowingly doing it in a vindictive sort of a way.
0: You think as well, I mean, just as you cover that in the morning, almost with nursing, it's, and you talked about it, it's like, not only are you observing what the person and what's going on there, and it's very similar to coaching is saying, I see what you're presenting me with, but what I'm really looking for is what's the condition behind what's actually the trigger yeah. what's the consequence here. And coaching is like that, isn't it? It's like. You're telling me what you need or, you know, so sort of what you want, but actually what you need is something completely different. So you're thinking on multiple levels, right?
1: Yeah. And and I understand that, that somebody may be angry, but anger is a protection part protecting you from something that's behind it. So my understanding of life and what I have learned is, are you willing to look behind the anger? May not be comfortable. But if you're willing to look behind the anger, thank the anger for being there because it has done a very good job at keeping you safe and protecting you. But I think you might be ready to look behind it. But what is it protecting you from? And those are the situations in life where doing it on our own is really hard. Because what, as a coach, what I want to bring to somebody is a safe space to explore. I'm not there to judge anyone. I don't know their full life and their thoughts and they don't know mine. I'm not there to judge. I'm there to provide a safe space, as I see it, for someone to be able to think. When we are not safe, our brains cannot think.
0: Do you? This may be quite a personal question. I'm not sure, about it. I mean, do you, do you feel any um, conflict between your spirituality and you know, your previous life as a minister's wife, and you know the sort of the expectations of? religions and and also then caring for the best benefit of you do you feel any sort of misalignment or conflict there or is that something you really work through and got to the place where you need to be there
1: yeah i don't feel any misalignment or conflict i i look back and what my passion inside is i needed my journey to see the compassionate side of God who I see as my father, without that journey, would I have understood what compassion is something we feel? So it's a feeling, it's it's not a word that you can describe with other words that allows you to see it like an object. It's not like that. And I look and I think, what if as a church, as people with faith, as people, as humans, what if we afforded each other compassion? because I didn't afford me compassion because I didn't understand it. But I didn't understand it until I felt it from my faith aspect. I really sensed God was saying, you don't have to be hard on yourself because I'm not hard on you. And, And then it's like, well, if you're not hard on me, why on earth am I doing it to myself? I started to slowly understand that and then look and go, well, what does compassion for me look like? I can afford compassion to lots of people, but affording it to myself, That was a whole other ballgame. My inner critic, my worst enemy, as it all is for all of us as humans. It is like the, the non, you know, monkey noise, whatever you choose to call it. And I look at the church and I think, what if we afforded compassion? What might somebody who's transitioning through change, whether it's a divorce or whatever it happens to be, what might they feel? Because if compassion is something we feel, then it's not because somebody says, come and have a coffee with me. That act in itself is not compassionate. It's, it's come and have a coffee with me and let me just be here to, to hear what you have to say or, you know, let me cook you dinner for you and the children. What do your children like to eat? It's it's a feeling. It's a feeling of being cared for. It's a feeling of um, being valued and appreciated and, and worthy of it. And so I don't have any sense of um, disconnect of anything through that because I have learned so much. And I don't think I would have experienced the different facets of God that I have if I hadn't walked the journey I've done. But in so doing, I know how to show it to somebody else.
0: That's so key. And I suppose it's the attitude I've had really with this show. It's I'll talk to anyone. I have have no issues whatsoever. And I love hearing their passions. I love hearing what they are. Um, There's always a change if someone says, actually, you should do like me. That's Mm -hmm. the change but when someone says listen and I love it and believe me I've had some you know some what would be perceived as controversial on and, and different things and, and I love it because I like to see their perspective yeah you know? but then don't tell me what I should do that's the one thing where it's there it always a fine line and 99 tens of 100 people I can respect them they respect me and it's wonderful we both learn from each other um but it's when any religion or anything else steps for me and it steps over that boundary of saying right well you should lead your life in this way and saying well at that point we'll just have to disagree but i love the fact that actually self care and you're seeing it for the perspective that you become the best version of you which is ultimately as i've understood it here now is that that also then is in the eyes of god is is the best thing you can do that's your life purpose right to be the best version of yourself yeah. i understand that. yeah yeah
1: and you for me that means open and willing to change and grow because i don't believe that we're meant to stay where we are you know and so the other side of just something that was sort of struck me when you were talking there is when people say you should do this that is harsh it is critical it is narrow it is rigid it is inflexible it is not compassionate in any way and it is it's overstepping a boundary and you know i love my mom she didn't have boundaries she overstepped them, she, I didn't learn boundaries, I didn't respect myself. And so boundaries are about respect. When we respect ourselves, we can then say, that's not actually acceptable to me. And, and I think that learning all of that has helped me to frame, I mean, who am I to tell anybody else what to do? This is my life, my experience, my journey. If anything that I have learned or, or understood in any way helps somebody to help themselves in whatever that looks like for them, But isn't that brilliant? Which is why COVID was so difficult. We are humans made for connection. And when COVID brought in disconnection in physical terms, that in itself created such an amount of damage because we are made for connection. Do
0: you think sometimes, I mean, it's almost like, you know, I love this sort of analogy where it's like, you know, a fish doesn't, you know, ask a fish to explain water and saying, well, it just is, right? (laughs) Yeah. Then you give it the contrast, you take it out of water and saying, now explain water to me. And, you know, because you have a comparable, well, maybe the whole pandemic thing was about that. It's saying, well, actually it broke your truth, it broke your cycle, it broke your journey that actually enough to say, my goodness, this is such a change. Well, actually, I want back what I had, or I don't want back what I had, right? So sometimes that contrast actually gives us different perspective, right? Yeah.
1: My perspective came in COVID with a broken ankle. quite an interesting journey for me because the kids were with their dad some of the time and he was great he took them more of the time because i physically couldn't manage i couldn't drive i had crutches i would use a rucksack to get stuff from the bedrooms the kitchen i mean honestly not in a rush to go back to that one but nearly every day a different friend called in to help me with stuff and i remember probably about two months into my broken ankle suddenly thinking I feel connected to my world for the first time in the way that I never did before. Because I couldn't do for me and be independent for me, I needed other people to help. I had to ask and I had to receive. Very easy to give, very different ball game when you're on the receiving end and you need to ask. But I learned how to do that. My defenses came down. My independence came down, and I felt connected to me, probably to my me and my world. I, I. I Drive it to And I said, I feel like I'm finally plugged into my world. And, and it's that but now that I have it, it's like, oh, this is so much better. And and I love what you were saying about, you know, the fish and the water. It just is, but when you're taken out of it, and, and I just know that humans and connection, we're, we're not meant to be islands. We need each other to grow because we need other people's perspective, we need other people's life experience. That's part of how we, we, I mean, I would not be here, excuse me, today talking to you if I hadn't had all the different people it's taken in my world to help me to be here, in whatever way that looks like.
0: Uh, Having, I mean, to me, that's a form of faith. Lean forward and saying, I don't know why. (laughs) It's like, I've met this person, this thing happened, this thing didn't happen, whatever. But actually, instead of saying, per me and... Only If only I had this or if only I had that, that's wishing inside of yourself and saying, well, actually, for some reason this has happened. I'm curious. What's the lesson here? What's what's possible? Where is this leading to? And and having that attitude attitude, is a game changer. It really is a game changer, right?
1: I broke an ankle COVID journey. I changed my career. I felt connected to my world. I had support from people I didn't know I needed support from. I changed as a person. Because my defences came down and I looked at things differently, I see it as a gift that I wouldn't have wanted to go through again. But goodness me, has it been worth it? Absolutely.
0: hilarious Like I mean, there's almost a book title there. You know, broken angle mended heart. You know, where it's. Uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> i send you a copy when it gets printed.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's the journey from A and E to to where you can be or something. God knows, there's any number, yeah. but they're jumping out, you know, but. It's, it is that, and it's that aspect of enjoying the change, enjoying the opportunity. And I suppose it is. And I, and I love that analogy used earlier saying, you know, five years ago, you couldn't comprehend it where you are today. Yeah. But yet when we understand that there is change as possible, then looking forward, we do it with such, such a, a greater degree of optimism than that. We, we are exponentially open to say anything's possible. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's Change in mindset, right? Once the change starts to happen and we realize that, you know, we all go back five years and saying, God, I I would never have dreamt I'd be where I am today. But yet, you know, now if we are of the mindset that things do change and things can be wonderful, and right, that's then anything. Yeah. And
1: I think, you know, when we resist change, I'm totally not alone in this. It's hard. And so when I look at 30th June and me stepping out of my role as a a paid um, employee, as a nurse, that's massive change. And I did say to a friend yesterday, I'm a bit worried. I feel like I should be a lot more anxious than I actually am. Because the logical part of me is going, but the other side of me is going, but now what's possible? If I have 20 hours a week more that I'm not working in a health centre, and it's more than that because it's the time of going in and coming out and all the rest of it. And um, if my, my youngest is going to secondary school, which is up the road, so I won't be driving an hour each way, you know, to get to school and do the school drop-offs and pickups with traffic. What is possible with that amount of time? Because I've been doing both of these. I've had a foot in each camp and I had to decide that I want to stay in the lukewarm bath that was the health center because there's nothing wrong with it. it I mean, it's, it's more than fine, but is it enough? No, it's not enough. I want more. And so when I step out, I don't know what it looks like, but I've done enough understanding about me and how I react and and the process of change and how we react to it and how we feel to understand that if I don't hold it in fear, if I hold it in potential, it's the fear that freezes our system. We're afraid of what might happen. We're afraid of what people might say. We're afraid, but what if, the one side is what if people say, you know, to me, I, I disagree with you, and you know, you shouldn't have said that, or and there's that, or there's the what if I say something that helps somebody to change their life. And for me, working with a client, I'm very clear on the fact that I work not only with the client, I work with their legacy because whoever that client is connected to, if they have children, if they have siblings, their friends, when a client works to change their life their legacy changes and for me doing this it's with the one person but it's with their legacy and like that's amazing that you know i look at the decisions i've made and i think the decisions i've made have changed my legacy completely my children's lives they will work life differently as i learn and grow i teach them and show them and who knows where they'll go in their future their children in the future you know i mean that is like gosh it may have been hard, really hard, and, and I will never underestimate the different things I've come through, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been worth every step.
0: That is a beautiful way of actually approaching normal people pleasers, you know, where they're not necessarily ready to do it for themselves, but actually to say, listen, the change you make now will change your kids, will change yeah. your friends, will change your family, will change all that. If you don't do it for you, at least be the change for others. Yeah. And that's that's a beautiful middle ground. I I sort of find that, you know, that in itself, and then ultimately, you know, I can only hope that you learn to love yourself through that process, but actually you inspire others, which is huge, right?
1: Okay, well, if your marriage isn't good or healthy, if one person's not happy in a marriage, it's not a good marriage because there's something disconnected. Even if the other person is very happy, there's still a disconnect. What are you teaching your children? And what will they outwork from what they have seen and known to be the only thing they've seen and known? So, so that question or that decision or statement of, well, I'm staying for the sake of the children, I would say to someone, well, let's be curious about that, what that might look like. And again, the word curious doesn't threaten someone. But where did that quest? where did that statement come from? Is it really what you think or is it what your parents think or your your sister doesn't want you to be divorced because it's not going to look good in her world? Where does it come from? Let's tease it out. Let's figure out whose stories do you need to give back to who in order to find out what it is that you want. And that goes back to that self-care question, which is way below all sorts of, of decisions we make. But curiosity allows us to get to those places.
0: Have you had much pushback in terms of the people around you? And, and obviously, you don't, you know, and it's not a name and shame here, but in, in terms of that sort of resistance and other people going, Claire, you've lost it. Claire, <laughs> there's something, because people don't always get it, right? Because they don't like change. They think they're trying to help you by saying, you know, I think you, you're going too far here, or, you know, you need to maybe take some time, or this could be a mistake. Now, how's it been sort of that change process for those around you?
1: It's been interesting because when we change, other people get unsettled. So, you know, when I stepped out of our marriage, lots of people got unsettled. And yet the only person living behind my front door was me. And this is the interesting bit. I've had much less resistance across the board in anything I've done than I had expected. My fear of expectation was probably here. My reality of the outworking was probably here. So there's that gap. That's what fear does. Fear creates a bigger gap that freezes us. But my lived experience is definite that I haven't had the amount of resistance that I thought I might have had.
0: What, what's the lesson to be learned there?
1: That so when we trust ourselves to make a good decision, it doesn't matter what other people think. And maybe it won't be as bad as, as we, we fear it will. I think fear is such a it's such a, a driving force, but it drives us to stay small and stay stuck. It's not our friend. And if we can recognize that we're doing something and it you know we know we know we know that there is another option, but we're nearly afraid to take it. Well, well there's fear, we're afraid to take it. There's fear. If fear isn't our friend, what might it look like if that fear wasn't there? And yeah. And I, I think, I mean, I, I will probably be always on this journey as I do different things and step into, you know, whatever it is I, I do in my future, but I'm not caught in it. I can notice it. I, I mean, I will still feel it, but it doesn't stop me or freeze me because I've learned that what I think about something and the reality have proven to be quite different on most occasions. And the fear in my head has been much bigger than the reality outworking of that. So I've been able to manage the stuff that I've worked because it hasn't been anywhere near as big as I thought
0: it was going to be. I mean, I can only imagine the impact that it's having on your kids too, because obviously the change in you ultimately then will reflect in you know, the way you are observed mm-hmm. of others and, and the roles that we play, right? So it's yeah. you know it's going to have an impact in, in all the people directly in life, and, and that that's a privilege. I mean, what you know. It's, again, it's it's that thing of saying, Well, why not? You know, if that comes from self-pleasing, then that will make, you know, it's a different person. Cause you mentioned this, you leaned on it earlier, is that aspect of, you know, playing this role, you know, whereas I have to be now uh, the role of being a nurse, the role of being a mother, you know, and that's if it if it's not something that feels natural, it's it's a heavy burden to carry. Mm-hmm. I have to do this or I have to be a mother now, where he's saying, Yeah, I I get to self-fulfill but then I also get to be of service and people can tell the difference between authenticity and a forced approach generally.
1: yeah and I think you know the way you phrase that is really good because when I look back at the last year and a half of me as a practice nurse what I would say is that whilst I still love my job it just didn't fit, it, it didn't feel like it fitted, almost like, as you say, you put something on, it's like, it's just getting uncomfortable in here, it's just not fitting. And when change comes, it comes slowly over time, very seldom does change happen overnight. Silence is something I was probably very afraid of. I, I would have been a, and still, you know, would I, I would talk to Phil Silences, and as a coach, It's been the thing that I have probably worked on the most, being okay with silence. There's another very good book I read, I don't know if you've read it, called Think Again by Nancy Klein. Have you read that book?
0: No, I haven't actually.
1: Oh, it's fabulous. Brilliant. It's how to create the best thinking environment for someone to find the answers that are already there, but you need a thinking environment to be able to find them. And it's it's fascinating. And she talks about holding the silence and I'm going, okay, that's maybe not my strength. But I have watched it. I have implemented it. I am seeing the results of it, even with myself. Hold the silence. There's a very good poem that I read, and I I, I screenshot it. I must actually get it printed out because I read it in like a, it was a morning devotional um, Christian, um, like a what's the word I would use, like a meditation thing. So to build a good fire, you need the logs. But you need the spaces between the logs to let the air get in to build a fire, and that just spoke to my soul. I need space for the the flame, the um, flames to be fanned. I need to pull back. I'm doing too much, and I because I've already said I'm a picture person. The picture of that fire, almost like a campfire, comes to my mind really quickly, and I think I've put on too much fuel. There's not enough space. I need to pull back. And sometimes for me, that's because I'm I'm learning too much or or reading too many things that are are good but maybe i need to pull back and go maybe a bit of processing time is what i need a bit of fun maybe i don't need to learn right now um but that concept of not packing the fuel in a fire in because it doesn't make it burn better it probably puts it out and i loved that image
0: it's so true isn't it you see People taking, you know, taking on too much or doing too much or something mm. else. We need that processing time. We need that calculating time or whatever the, the conscious mind to to actually get through it all. Or as I said, it's, it's actually not doing any favors. In fact, it's possibly making it worse.
1: Yeah. Makes it harder.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you, you don't have that breathing space. No, it's the, uh, what is it, the analogy it's, you know, it's almost like, you know, you you plant a seed, you don't dig it up tomorrow and see if it's growing. Oh,
1: (laughs) can I just say my old me would have been digging it up twice a day.
0: (laughs) But it's, it's having the faith that there is that gestation period that you literally, you plant the seed and say, listen, what going to be is going to be. And if I want to let this come through and, and, you know, it has to be allowed to, you know, and Probably getting old school now but people talked about a fax it's like you know oh you get a fax and it starts to ring and then ripping the page out and it's like well hold on you haven't received the message yet you haven't you haven't yeah. allowed it to happen you know so ripping it out halfway through it's, not, it's doing you more harm than good you, you have neither the fax nor the message you know traction yeah page,
1: patience is something that that i think everybody struggles with at different stages I like one things yesterday, so I, I wanted to control everything and I wanted it yesterday. So, so that's been an interesting, almost like a tug of war for me. No, no, let it sit. You know, my broken ankle. It took a long time to heal, but I had more learning to do in the healing process. Yeah. And so, I think when I let it go, of I, I, I wanted it to be fully better in six months. It just wasn't as hard then. It was like, well, it is what it is. Going to get there. I've got a good physio. I'm doing the right things. It is what it is.
0: Again, I I sort of go back. It is that aspect that's self-preservation, self-care. Just saying, listen, okay, yeah. Part of me wants this quicker, and part of me, you know, needs to be quieter. You know, reflection on both sides. Mm -hmm. What's what's on the bucket list for Claire? What's what's out there that you would like to achieve? You know.
1: Oh my goodness. Um, I think my starting point at the moment would be I would like to be a CEO of a successful company. Because for me, that means that I am influencing people in a way that is changing them and helping them create change. So, so that would be an amazing bucket list thing for me, way past anything I ever thought possible at any level. So that's like, yes. um, bucket list, I'd love to travel more with my boys. My mom gave me a love of travel and I love exploring places with them. And we've done quite a bit of travel, but I'd love to do more. And um, I love including them in the plans of where we're going and what we're going to do and what would they like to do. We each get to pick things. So so traveling more with my children is definitely bucket list stuff. On a practical level, I would love to have my attic converted for the boys because they would then be able to have a room each. They share They share rooms in bunk They love it. But they're getting to a point where that's not going to work for them. So a bucket list for me would be having space because my attic's open trust. So it's possible to do. I'd love to do that. And I would love to, yeah, I just love to grow into more of what my potential is. I have potential that I don't realize and I don't know what that is, but other people will see something that I will be maybe able to be good at or whatever. And I'm excited about the idea of what might that look like or feel like and who will come into my world to show me that and where will I go with that so that sense bucket list sense for me would be of just having different people in my world and and them almost that sort of you know, iron sharpens iron thing of I get to grow and change and be and they get to grow and change and be and I just find that really exciting
0: that's beautiful I love that yeah it's, it's sort of but well, it's being open to possibilities too right you know so it's just well whatever will be will be and, and yeah it was because it is fun it's, it's and interesting, especially where people you know if they have quite a strong faith background, you know and saying how much of this is for you to design and how much is being designed for you as such, you know, and it's you know, um when we come to manifestation, what we ask for is what's what's where's the line? I know question for myself i suppose serve and other people say i'm you know I'm here to do x, y, and Z, and yeah, know. and yet,
1: you know as as Someone who has faith, I mean, God talks about abundance in the Bible and he gives so much. I mean, when I look, if I go back to that five year analogy, he gave me so much more than I would have asked for. So that's to me, I interpret that as his abundance. I would have asked for the bare minimum. But he's like, oh, we can do better than that. Come on, let's have a bit of fun. Let's do this. And I, I find that exciting. Um, and, you know, part of, of my going forward would love to be to raise and help to change faith cultures on what is compassion? What's feel like if we bring more compassion into our world and into our churches? There will be different places.
0: I'm gonna, opinion, on, I'm gonna challenge on something here because you mentioned you, know, you say you're very visual. Your language is extremely kinesthetic, so very feeling. All about the feeling. It's about that. So I'm mm-hmm. curious. I mean. Is that something that's changing in you, do you think? I mean, is that maybe something that's evolved? Because, I mean, coaching in that is, is a lot of about feeling. It's, um, being faith-based is a lot about feeling. It's not, you can't necessarily be tangible. So is there something, Is what is your learning style normally then?
1: Well, I have dyslexia. So that would tend to be less academic because sometimes academia is harder. Um, my mom... Um, I had somebody um, I got assessed when I was 13 was told I was dyslexic and got no help So I didn't understand anything so all I knew was I had dyslexia for whatever that meant but I mean I got through my nurse training I when I started in the practice I did different diplomas so it hasn't in any way defined me but I know that part of me has always been creative when it comes to pictures and things reading is not something that ever challenged me It probably would have been what I understood over the last number of years would be creating a framework to write an assignment has been the challenging part, but that is because of my dyslexic brain as opposed to, so I've had to try and learn what is, what way does my brain work in things that I'm finding hard? So now I ask the question, it's not what do I need for this? It's who do I know that could help me with this? Because I learned by seeing or somebody talking to me. So now that I've cracked that, again, life's a lot easier. I am a, I am a picture person. I always have been. I, and the other thing is I, I would notice a lot. And I think noticing is part of a dyslexic um, genetic thing. But also I started my nurse training. I find this highly interesting because we had to notice what the kids couldn't tell. us. So I, I trained for four years and then I worked for six years. I did infant cardiac and then I did a burns unit. south of Ireland and general surgery and spina bifida so quite a range of things and if we had a three-year-old and they were upset it was my job to figure out what was wrong with them so I learned how to notice we noticed how the children looked we noticed how they behaved. we noticed because they couldn't tell us so when I went in to work in A&E and do stuff I would say to the junior staff a monitor should only ever confirm what your eyes are telling you don't ever use a monitor to confirm anything because if you're looking at the monitor you're not treating the patient and the patient is who you need to focus on that was my normal language but that was because of my pediatric training
0: that that is so powerful to learn that lesson that actually you know it's your gut instinct it's your feeling and then the training will you know and the training and your actual tools the physical tools if you like will actually just confirm or deny otherwise mm-hmm. right i think mm-hmm. that, I mean, that, that that's a massive takeaway for people You know, it's sort of trusting your intuition first and then, you know, because we don't know what's possible. We don't know what's being said or not being said. And it's like, but if something feels wrong or feels right, you know, and I know for me, as I said at the very start, before we started here, I start with a blank page genuinely, because if I came with a page full of questions, the problem is I wouldn't be listening. I would be, my intention would be ask you to answer these questions. That's not a listening role, right? So it's different aspect. Really Paul. Yeah,
1: I remember being somewhere, Um, must be about four years ago, and they were doing one of those sort of uh, icebreakers. And the question was, what, what, would you, what would you tell yourself? And my answer was instant, even though I hadn't even time to think of the question. It was, oh, I would tell my 12-year-old self to trust her gut a lot faster. Like, I just knew that that was exactly what I would have told her. When I look back at some of the decisions I've made, my gut was right. Or my gut guided me in hindsight. So I, I would have thought if I had listened to my gut first, I would have saved myself a lot of time and hassle. But I didn't trust my gut. I just didn't. For whatever reason, life was. Now, now I trust my gut.
0: It's funny you say, because I'm, I have dyslexia and ADHD, uh, according to a piece of paper, uh, only assessed mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. But it's been so free. Yeah. Must- because, and instead of saying it's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, you're dyslexic. I'm sorry for your loss. It's it's not that at all. It's like going, no. that explains a whole lot. <laughs> it really does. It's, and it's so empowering so, saying, right, I'm not going to necessarily read or write for leisure or pleasure. It's not that I can't, I can. Um, but it means I may need a different set of tools. And it's okay to sort of say to yeah. myself, it's just not me right now. But I, I find that analogy useful for other things in life and saying, listen, it's not, this was part of the journey. This is the thing you had to learn. This is, the, you've been through the hard time so that you either don't come back here or you can help somebody else when they go through this. And um yeah, I mean, that's just a perspective shift, right? You know, saying it's not, not a bad thing. It's great. You've then narrowed down the things that you can't or don't do for, for pleasure. So then that means we're a bit closer to what you can do.
1: Yeah, it also makes it easier because if you know what doesn't come easy to you, if you have something like dyslexia, well, then you just don't do it. You think, right, well, that's why that's a, it's almost like I think sometimes you shine a light on. And that makes sense. OK, now what do I do with that picture? So it gives you permission to go, OK, that's hard, but this is why it's hard. So I'm just going to choose to do it a different way.
0: Yeah, so, so true. So, so true. And I think that that's whether it's reflection, whether it's maturity, whether whatever else it is, it's giving yourself a bit of space and saying, listen, not my thing or it's not my skill set or it is my skill set. And you know, either way, it's it's neither right nor wrong. You just um, just being present, I suppose, with the conditions around it,
1: yeah, I think also, the more we understand ourselves, the more our world makes sense. And any bit of information that I have had in the last fifty what plus years in life that has helped me to understand myself and make my world make sense, it makes the next bit of my future easier. Yeah.
0: you know, whether it's it's, it's an exponential growth curve too, isn't it? The more oh, you, know, right. you know, beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's like the gift you give your future self when you invest to figure things out now. So I know when things come up for me, the likes of The Attic and doing stuff, I didn't know what was going to come up, but I was ready to see it and move it on. And quite a few different things caught me that I wasn't expecting, but they've taught me. I mean, I, I I've got rid of all my nursing books because for whatever reason, up until this moment, I wasn't able to let them go. So the question wasn't, why did I keep them? It was, why couldn't I let them go? Because somehow I felt the weight of responsibility of needing to hold on to this role as a nurse, which was keeping me here. So when they went into the skip, it's like, well, if that's gone, what's possible? Like I could breathe in a way that I didn't know, was I didn't know I was being held here. Could sense something, but that's why I, I, when I put them into the skip, I just burst into tears. Because I had this sense of relief of I didn't have to hold the responsibility. And one of the things that caught me was I had helped to set up and implement a paediatric trauma resource cart in both Antrim and in Causeway. And I had all the laminated sheets of cupcake color coded for a three and a half kilo baby, a five kilo baby. And we worked out all the fluid requirements. And to make it easier in a trauma, we would then put these up so everybody could see straight away and nobody was working anything out. But there's a lot of responsibility with the three and a three-and-a-half-kilo baby that's needing recess. And even though I've been out of that for six-and-a-half years, that was stored within my system. And when I was able to just put it into the skip, it's like, I don't need to hold that responsibility anymore, even though I didn't know I was.
0: I'm sure that the, uh, the people in the, in the skip yard must have been... know. <laughs> <laughs> my,
1: my car was <laughs> full. <laughs>
0: it's there's something so cathartic and again potentially through this pandemic phase because i mean they were saying that skips have never been so full and all that people had this chance to do a bit of decluttering or sorting out their life or having the time that you know, they never had before so um yeah, yeah. i mean And was- you know what was
1: funny when i was i got into the car and i was driving away from from the dump and i had like a worship playlist on that just randomly picked stuff from spotify and the song came up by this guy matt broderick that i'd never heard before and it literally played as I drove out of the dump, and it says the best is yet to come. And I laughed, I went, Lord, you're hilarious. <laughs> like, you know, that I, so I've, I've bookmarked that song and kind of holding onto that one.
0: I love it. Love it. You'd have that, uh, have that playing on stage, you know, whenever you're, you're coming up to give a big talk. You
1: know? Yeah.
0: I love it. Claire, tell us, I mean, if you were to try and summarise your fire in your belly in one or two words, what, what would they be?
1: Don't be afraid of change. And anything that feels afraid or fear will catch you and keep you small and frozen. And maybe you need support. I invested in support for me to allow me to cope with change. And if we're able to hold change in a flexible way, our lives will improve in ways that we don't know how. And I'm living proof of that. And if I can inspire anyone by being living proof of where I am and how I show up in the world, that in its own light has made it all worth it.
0: Tell us, where can people reach out or find you if I mean if this has resonated with them today and they'd like to learn more, they'd like to get your support and your service? Where can people get a hold of you?
1: Well, my website is up and coming, but not up yet. So I have a Facebook coaching site called Claire Up Community Coaching, and we'll put the links in the bio when we put it out. And I have an email address, claire at com, And there'll be a mobile number that we can put through too.
0: Claire, is there a final message you'd like to leave with our listeners today?
1: Yeah, I think there is. I think you don't have to live your life the way it is now just because it is that way now. You don't have to do that. You can choose to, but you don't have to. And when I stepped out of staying where my life was, it has opened up so many doors. And given me so much in joy and peace and connection and wonder that it has just been amazing. And I would love for other people to have this because this is worth it. I settled for less in who I was. And when we step out of settling for less, who knows where it'll go. But I reckon it's worth finding out. I reckon it's worth being curious.
0: Claire, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being sharing and really sort of bring us on your journey there and seeing what's possible. I, I wish you all the best in the future. And I've, uh, I've Thank sus- you. I have a pinky suspicion we will talk again. So, uh, let's oh, talk. that would be great. And Thank I you. loved
1: it. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's
0: been great. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And by the way, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that the people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.